Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Tadic. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are so excited because we are talking to best-selling author Marie Bostwick. We just got to read her latest novel, The Restoration of Celia Fairchild, and we know you are going to love it. And in our final segment, we are chatting with Laura Koya of So Very Easy. She's going to tell us all about a fun project that she's been working on called The Traveling Quilt Case. So stay tuned. How are you, Ginger? I am good. How about you, Tracy? I am great. Oh, good. Ooh, that sounds promising. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. So I, before we get started, I just want to mm-hmm. say Lori will join us next month. She just couldn't join us today. And that's fine. We're going to give her a break. Oh, yes. Yes. And she's always here in spirit. So <laughs> yes, she is. And we always mention her anyway. Right. So yes. Yes. I know. Really. <laughs> she texted me this morning to let me know that she loved Marie's book so much that she's already gone out and bought another one. Oh, yeah. No, I'm already listening because I'm, of course, the uh, audio uh, listener of uh-huh. the uh, book world here. And uh, yeah, I've already downloaded another book. It was awesome. Like, oh, my goodness. I had so much fun reading this one. And uh, well, yeah, it, it was just a blast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I this was actually the first book by Marie that I've read. Mm-hmm. And I just loved every moment of it. I was I was, would read it at night. And this is all right. I'm going to be completely honest. This is the first book I've read since COVID hit. Oh, yeah. I just didn't have the brain space. And my husband's sitting there reading. I bought him the prequel to Pillars of the Earth, which is like, you know, 900 pages and the print is small. I think I fell asleep just like halfway through the title there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And he loves those books. And so he's always like, oh, do you want to read this next? And I have not had the brain capacity. I just really haven't. So um, this was delightful. And it was mm-hmm. an easy read. And so it was just such a nice way to unwind at the end of the day. And I can't tell you how many times I turned to my husband and I just said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how much I'm enjoying this book. Yeah. And I kind of set you up with uh, so many things that are going on in my life right now that I just identified with this book. And it was great. And just the fact it's set in South Carolina. My parents lived in South Carolina for years. And so it was just uh, it was the escape that I needed right here and right now. (laughs) I agree. I agree. So to all of our listeners, we'll have a link. Of course, we're going to have all of the links to Marie's all of the things that she's mentioned to her website. Um, She's got all of her books listed on her website uh, and we'll have links to this website, but she wanted us to make sure that you knew that if you've got a local bookstore near you, please go buy her book there and please just, you know, give them a little love because they're struggling right now. And that's a great way to help a local business. Yep. All right. So Ginger, what have you been working on lately? Anything exciting? Oh, my goodness, because I just, you know, didn't have enough to do. I decided I went into the office, uh, I guess it was like a week or so ago, we were filming, and I realized I had all these quilting books that I left there that I haven't seen in like a year. And so I started digging through them, and I found the, it's a block a day um, quilt book, and it's from uh, Lucinda uh, Gadd. Gatterton, I think is how you pronounce it. 
And I was like, oh, wow. And I started going through it. And there were so many blocks, like I had no clue how to make or anything like that. So I was like, I'm gonna bring that home with me. So I have decided uh, for many reasons, I am going to start a block a week challenge for myself. And I am going to be posting them up on um, uh, Instagram to my GST quilts uh, and sews Instagram. And um, I'm doing it for a couple of reasons. One, I want to improve my quilting skills. I figure if I can go in and learn how to do some of these different blocks, that would be great. I'm going to be making little videos for them so I can improve my production <gasps> really? skills as well. Nice. So, yes. Yeah, so I've, um, you know, kind of made a makeshift little studio in my uh, house here and um, doing some fun, like stop motion type things and all of that. So just trying to up my game on that front. And then lastly, I got to up my social media game too. And so um, my daughter, who I have officially hired as my social media manager, she's 11 <laughs> and uh, knows everything. Um, she is going to be helping me and all I have to pay her in, I told her, if she can get me up to a thousand, you know, followers by the end of the year, I was like, what do you want? And she looked at me and she was like, I really want a pair of Lululemon yoga pants. And I was like, deal. I was like, done. So she is so funny. She has been like hounding me like, mom, come on, you got to finish that. You got to go. You got to get this going. And so I've done one. I've done one and I've got that posted up so far. So hopefully by the time this drops, I might have a couple more in. But anyway, I was like, and it's just been a fun way to really kind of connect with her and get her more into like liking the, I finally figured out a way to get her to pay attention to quilting. (laughs) It was through social media. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. So anyway, so that's been like sucking up most of my time this past week. And it's actually been a really nice distraction and just a fun thing for us to do, um, you know, while we're doing this. So, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. It, it, it's really been fun. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how I stick with it. Uh, All right. You know, yeah. If she crossed. wants those yoga pants. That's right. I mean, that's right. And she's a good like motivator man. Mom, right. come on, get it done. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I love it. So how about you? What have you been doing? Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I had a little panic attack before we started recording because I was like, what am I going to say? And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, what the real main thing I've been working on lately Quilt Maker's 200th issue. Oh, that's huge. That is so huge. Uh, yeah. Um, oh. it, I've been working on it for months. Um, I decided last summer I went camping with friends and it was like a way that we could actually hang out with our friends and be socially distanced. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so um, we went camping and I had this idea for a camping theme. And I didn't know it was going to line up with the 200th issue. And so it was, we, I've been working on it for literally months. Um, I've got Charisma Horton on the cover. Um, Chris Ann Watkins is in it. She did a beautiful, like floral themed quilt. Um, Terry Lucas is in it. And she actually did. I told her that it was a camping theme and um, I gave her some of my ideas that I had written down when we were brainstorming themes. And I came up with like, um, you know, like badges and row quilts oh, and yeah. like anything that sort of had that, you know, kind of skew that we could right. pl- do play yeah. on words. Uh-huh. And she she picked letters, letters from camp. And so she oh, actually made cute. quilted paper, like <gasps> made it look like with lines that it was lined paper and then quilted letters. And she did four of them for me and they're adorable. So, Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, so now when, when does this, is it coming out soon or is it? It will be on newsstands when this podcast drops. Oh, so wow. it's, oh. 
I just got my issue in the mail uh, just over the weekend, and okay. it is. It, I'm super proud of it. So, Aww. so if you, all you listeners, if you happen to see Quilt Maker, please pick it up. Um, it is something that I'm just super proud of. So it and plus we did this whole like um, infographic for Quilt Maker's 200th issue, uh. and basically it was from the start of Bonnie Lehman like starting this magazine on her kitchen table to you know there's only been six editors over those 200 issues um and so i just got to see it all on paper and uh, it was very humbling no idea you know back in 1994 when i got my first subscription that someday i would be the editor of this magazine so oh my goodness i just got like covered in goosebumps oh yeah it, i just feel super humbled and um and it's just been a joy. So um, very, that's what my main thing that I've been working on that I've been very proud of. Um, so uh, update on the baby quilt. Um, it's still oh, yeah. not quite done. Oh, um, yeah. I did start working on free motion with no stitch re- regulation Ooh. and a little rule of work. <gasps> nice. So it is almost done. The oh, problem is... Great. That they are literally coming over for dinner tonight. Oh, and I'm no. going to get to meet the baby in person. Oh. And the quilt is not done. So I hope that makes someone out there feel better. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sure it will. We have all been there. Trust me. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It'll and be fine. It'll be as fine. As long as the kid isn't going off to college, you're fine. You're I know. Fine. <laughs> I know. And I'll probably be able to finish it this weekend. It's literally yes. like most of the quilting is done. I've just decided it probably could use a little bit more just so that it doesn't fall Aww. apart. Other tip. Mm-hmm. The other, I got to actually babysit last week for the other baby that I finished the quilt in, like last, who was born in last September. Right. And um, so we went over, and I only got to be with the baby for like 30 minutes while their parents went on their first date Aww. since like all of COVID, right? So, like, it's since the baby has been born, they have not been alone. And, um, and so Sydney and I got to go and, and babysit and the baby had, we got there at six, the baby went to sleep at 6.30. So it was literally like the easiest <laughs> babysitting job I have ever had. But um, she, so the mom like nervously turns to me and says, um, so I just need a little advice because uh, we got a little something on, on the quilt and um, I know I'm not supposed to wash it. And they went, what do you mean you're not supposed to wash it? <laughs> she looked at me. She's like, well, well, but my mom said that quilts aren't supposed to be washed because they're too fragile. And I'm like, oh, no. girl, I bought, I made you that baby quilt. I already washed it before I gave it to you. Yep. Throw it in the washing machine with whatever detergent you're using for the baby and just go. If it falls apart, I will make her another one. And she looked to me like, Oh, and so I failed. I failed miserably. I should have like put a note in I on know. the label like or something. Meant to be destroyed. No. <laughs> so just a little, Aww. just a little tip out there. If you're going to make a baby quilt, make sure that they know. <laughs> yes. Well, and I remember the very first quilt I ever got. It was when uh, my baby shower, and it was my friend Mia. It was her mother-in-law, Charlotte. Shout out to both of them. They're amazing. <laughs> nice. But Charlotte, she made me, she was so, well, at first it was so funny because she was still working on it. She had given me the swatches, and it was just a book of swatches. And I was like, okay. And then she was like, I'm making you a quilt. And I was like, whoa. So oh, she finally, awesome. we finally got it. And I looked at her, and I was like, should I hang it in the room? What should I do? And she looked right at me, and she was like, oh, no. 
no, that is meant to be used. She was like, it better be worn and torn very quickly. <laughs> and like she lectured me about it. It was great. And we still have it. We still love it. It's awesome. And But yeah, and, and now I can go and look at the quilt and I actually know it's a log cabin and it's all these things. I know about it now. So it's great. But yeah. <laughs> Very well loved. And, and who knew that that was a, you know, like a little step in that direction, like a, yeah. a, a, a foreshadowing. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Aww. Well, I'm excited to finally talk to Marie. So should we go and chat with her? I think we should. Yay. Today in our open studio segment... We are joined by best-selling author Marie Bostrick. She is here to talk about her latest book, The Restoration of Celia Fairchild. Welcome to the show, Marie. Thank you. Glad to be here. We are so excited to have you join the show. Uh, when I so I do book reviews for um, Fonz and Porter's Quick and Easy Quilts, and I think that I must have reached out to um, your publisher and got hooked up with your publicist. Um, and she, I was like, I, I honestly just wanted a copy of the, your latest book to review. And somehow we got to talking and I said, we should have her as a guest on the podcast. <laughs> so glad you did. This is so fun. <laughs> uh, and this is so cool. It's something so different for us to, you right. know, to have, have this. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm really kind of like, this is really cool. Ginger's <laughs> <laughs> having a moment. I am. <laughs> For quilters, that probably their second favorite hobby is reading. Mm -hmm. So it makes perfect sense why, you know, and, and, and we all love to read about books that have an element of those things that we love in them. So mm -hmm. it, it makes perfect sense that I'm here. It does to me anyway. <laughs> well, and especially so, after reading the book, it totally makes sense now. Like, oh. Exactly. So tell me about your background. I mean, did you quilt or sew or knit or crochet or any of the crafts that you write about so eloquently in your books? I do all of those things. Uh, you know, I, I, so I started out like so many quilters, I started out in garment sewing because I'm so old that when I was little, it actually paid to <laughs> sew your own clothes. So I'm 500 years old. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it was a natural. <laughs> and you look great. <laughs> Thank you. It was a natural leap to go from, you know, to go from quilting to garment sewing. It was a, it was a pretty, I mean, my goodness, if you can set in a sleeve or a collar, quilting is nothing. So, so that was easy. Right. And the truth is, I never met a fiber art I didn't love. So um, quilting is definitely my primary fiber art, but I do love knitting and crocheting and embroidery and punch needle embroidery and, and just about everything. I haven't done rug hooking, um, but I'm sure I would. And if my husband probably wouldn't divorce me, there would be a floor <laughs> loom in my house right now. So oh. yeah, love all of it. <laughs> I feel you. We're not the only ones with husbands like that, Ginger. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank goodness, yeah. I'm still working on getting the long arm through the door. <laughs> so how did how did you get start, started writing about um, and, and doing these wonderful novels that sort of incorporate all of the fiber arts in it? 
Well, you know, I, I've been writing a lot longer than I've been quilting. So I pretty much started writing as mm. soon as I could spell words. Um, and I, I have very vivid memories of trying to write things when I was not even six years old. Um, so I grew up writing stories. It was just part of who I was and and what I did. And I couldn't, I couldn't possibly not write, but it was a long time before I ever thought about being a writer. That was not something that was just on my radar. I wrote for myself. I wrote for the joy of it. Um, and it wasn't until I was in my thirties that I started, I, I ended up kind of going to a writer's workshop just for fun. And, um, and, and that story is a really long story and I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but for, for lack of a better word, I was sort of discovered and encouraged to start writing in a serious way. And which I did for, for a long, long time. And, um, I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of natural talent, but that's not enough. You have to work very, very hard to get good at this. And so after about 10 years, um, you know, I finally had a book. Uh, that I finished a my very first book I spent four years writing and then I put it in a drawer and pretended that it never had happened because um, I was scared of being rejected and then I got over that and I started sending it out so really from the time I started writing seriously to when my first book was released was a was about a decade um, and my first books wow. were World War II historical fiction but even then because oh, wow crafting and quilting and cre creative arts in general are just things I do, they sort of naturally made their way into the books. Um, because you know what they say, right? Write what you know. So I guess that's a piece of me writing mm -hmm. what I know. Well, and it's amazing too, how much of that, you know, at those times, that's what people were doing. And, and so it does, it feels very natural. And I think you do such a great job of just incorporating these things that are happening that maybe we just don't notice in real life. And it's like, oh yeah, people do so. And they quilt and they crochet and they knit and yes. all of that. So it's just you, the way you incorporate it into your stories, it does, it feels so natural. Well, and that it has to feel organic to me. Um, if, you know, I'm not saying that it often makes its way in there, but not every single thing I've ever written incorporates crafting. Um, I'll only do it if it feels right. I'm not just going to be somebody who says, oh, gee, I'd lose my audience. So I have to like stuff this square peg into this round hole. Um, I, I would never do that. The book, it has to serve the book and it has to serve the story because I don't write about quilting. I mean, you can't write a novel about quilting. Mm -hmm. That's called a pattern book and it's not <laughs> the same thing. Right? Yes. So, you know, what I most often do and what I did in the restoration of Celia Fairchild is I use crafting or quilting or knitting or crocheting or whatever as a means of getting a really diverse group of people into the same room at the same time. Because the truth is, these women would probably not become friends if not for this thing. And I have found that plays out in my own life so much, right? There's so many of my friends. We wouldn't be friends if we hadn't gotten together through quilting or through, you know, through some kind of fiber art. So that feels real. And I think that feels real to my readers, too. We wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for that. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm like, it's great. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just have to say, first and foremost, when I as soon as I opened the book, you had me at the dedication. I have never read a book before where I actually knew the person who it was dedicated to. <laughs> I was going to say 
did that too, Ginger. <laughs> it was amazing. I was just like, oh my goodness. She has it dedicated to Mark Lipinski, who those of you listeners that are out there that know Mark, huge personality, just such a great personality, such a good person. And it was like, I know this person. It was awesome. Yeah. So I was like, right off the bat, I was like, oh, I'm going to love this book. So I literally turned to my husband when I opened the book. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've ever actually known who the dedicated person is. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. And as a reader, it's like, that was actually really, really awesome. <laughs> well, Mark is one of my very, very dearest friends on the face of the earth. And um, he he is really special to me. And we talk all the time. And I am, I am so grateful for his friendship. He just means a lot to me. And, you know, if you read the book, you will very quickly figure out that one of the characters in the book is modeled on Mark Lipinski. There's a character named Calvin LaGuardia, and he is Celia's best friend. Um, And so if you've ever spent any time with Mark, you're going to kind of recognize some of that. Now, Calvin is Calvin, and Mark is Mark. Mm -hmm. But you know, he's definitely, um, I was definitely thinking about him and I don't often do that in in my entire, you know, I've written, I I'm just finishing up my 20th book. And in all of those books, I've only ever modeled, um, important characters on real people three times. And this is one of those times. Wow. Oh my goodness. You could tell. And it just, it, for me, it enhanced that character so much and it just made it so much fun. And just the relationship, it really kind of also even helped explain your relationship with him and how important that is. So I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed that element of it. Well, it, those were those were really the most fun parts of the book to write because of the conversations between Calvin and Celia, it, it was just, you know, for me, it, it it was just as easy as being able to talk to Mark. And Mark is very easy to talk to. So um, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. And I kind of envisioned, because they have so many conversations about food. And it was so great. And I just kept envisioning, like, you know, replace food with quilting. And you probably have had those types of conversations. Um, you know, Mark and I talk about food a lot. <laughs> we are both avid cooks. So we don't just talk. In fact, I would say we definitely talk about food more than we talk about quilting. So, and of course, there's just good old gossip too. But um, it's it's on almost any time that Mark and I talk, one or the other or both of us is going to say, "So, what are you making for dinner?" That's usually that's an important topic. We want to discuss those things. And when I'm having, you know, we're having recipe troubles or we need an idea, we often will call and say, "What do you think I should do for?" So, yeah, foods foods key. Oh, that was great. Well, I thought that re- that relationship in there just was so reflected so well through all those things. Um, and the other thing that I really loved was your description of locations. My parents lived mm-hmm. in South Carolina. They were in Myrtle Beach, which is not far from Charleston, where the book is set. And mm-hmm. you just nailed it. I've been to Charleston a million times. And just in reading the book, I felt as if I was like swept away and taken there. And, you know, really just, you know, her memory of the places, uh, the main character growing up there and and then going back and, you know, just all those things. Like, I, I just love that aspect of it. So I really feel like you do such a wonderful job. And it's so funny because I started, actually, I love that book so much because I got the audio book. I started another audio book, The Second Sister, which that oh. is set in Washington, D.C., where I grew up. And then you also, the character lives in Denver. So I was like, oh, my God, those are two places that I love. So I well, love. Although, 
Oh. In that book, most of the book actually is set in Door County, Wisconsin. Yeah. So she ends up going back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, you know, I have lived all over the country. Um, my husband and I have been married for about 300 years. And <laughs> I have... <laughs> I have had something like 24 addresses in eight different states and I've lived in some foreign countries. I would lived in Mexico as well. So this turns out to have been the absolutely ideal background for a writer. Um, I can really write just about almost any region of the United States with with some insight and authenticity. And in fact, I did live in southern Georgia for uh, for several years, and I have been to Charleston many, 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 many times. It was a little, I was a little worried about writing about Charleston, though, because Charlestonians, quite rightly, feel very strongly about their city. And why shouldn't they? It is the most beautiful city in America, in my opinion. And so, you know, I approached this with some trepidation and I worked really hard to get my, um, to get my research right. Although, and this is not because I didn't do my research. Apparently I have a street going east, west that really goes north, south. That wasn't because I hadn't been there. I'm just really bad with directions. I only, I only learned left in my twenties because somebody (laughs) told me if you held your, your index finger and your thumb up, it would make an L until that I really didn't know left. So I have (laughs) no clue about directions. So that was a mistake, you know, but it was a, a great moment for me because when I was on my book tour, I went to Buxton Books in Charleston, South Carolina. And if you're ever in Charleston, you got to go to mm-hmm. Buxton Books. It's on King Street. It's a fabulous bookstore. And Polly Buxton, whose family came to Charleston in the 1680s, gave me the Buxton seal of approval. She said, look, you're not a cartographer oh. and you're not supposed to be. You're writing fiction. And she said, as far as the, the essence of Charleston and the feel. She's like, you nailed it. So, Mm -hmm. so I felt pretty good about that, (laughs) but it's a beautiful city. Oh my goodness. I just love how you really do though. It's like you pick out those things. Anybody who really loves the towns that you're writing about, it seems like you know how to just nail it. I think there was like, it was so funny in the second sister that I'm uh, listening to now. It actually, I loved it because there was a little breakfast place in Denver syrup. And I love that place. And you mentioned yes. it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's great. And then you even mentioned Fat Tire Beer, which that's a that's a Colorado <laughs> thing right there. So I was like, this is great. So Well, and in yes. fact, I, I lived in I lived in Cherry Creek for a while, my husband and I. Yep. So I have had breakfast at oh my gosh, really many, many times. And of course, for the restoration of Celia Fairchild, there was a lot of dining out I had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do like, I think it's fun for people to mention real restaurants. Yes, it's research. research. <laughs> it is, it's research. One night I had two dinners back to back. Um, because I was trying to decide where I wanted to set a scene. So no kidding. So these are the little extras. I go the extra mile for my readers, <laughs> even if it wrecks havoc with my oh, waistline. I'm just saying. <laughs> we appreciate it. Let me tell you. We do. It means a lot. Thank you. Uh, and then it was just so funny when I thought about like the way you incorporate, you know, I think you already touched on the fact that it's like it's a great way to uh, bring in these crafts in is it's a great way to bring these people together. But there were other little things that you had done. I just remember I was walking and I was listening and you had mentioned about the typewriter that Celia works on and how it had a wonky why. Well, I had never yes. heard the word wonky until I started quilting. And I was like, and I don't know if you meant to do that or if it just I just heard the word oh. wonky and it instantly 
instantly like sent me into crafting mode. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't think of it that way because wonky is a word that I've always loved. It just sort of means crookedy. <laughs> so, but yes, I certainly, um, I am the queen of wonky scenes. So I, and you know what? I'm very <laughs> excited now because now I always just thought I was like, now I'm getting a little more into the modern quilting and it's totally okay to be wonky. So all of a sudden I'm fashionable and I, I was so, I, so it's good. <laughs> it's great for people like me because straight lines have never been my best thing. I, I'm curious if, you know, how often do you make a quilt and what types of things do you like what styles of quilts do you generally make I make a probably um I probably only make one large quilt a year maybe two it depends on the year and then I'll do smaller projects I writing is more than a full-time job for me so I tend mm -hmm. to get my quilting done in kind of chunks um, for example, now in July, I'm super excited because I am going away for a whole week long quilt retreat with a bunch of, of, they were originally readers, uh, who have become my friends. And there's, there's a group of about the whole pool of them is about 35 people. And generally at our retreats, we would end up with about 20 from 20 to 25. And, and we've been retreating together for like 10 years. Um, but this is our first time we're doing one on the West Coast and it's going to be a smaller group. So I'm excited about that. So I do, that's when I do a lot of my quilting. And then I'll try and squeeze in, you know, like everybody else, you got to squeeze it in around, around real life. So um, as far as what types of quilts I do, you know, I... I, I really started out being very traditional, um, but more and more I'm moving a little more into moderns. I, I don't use patterns nearly as much as I used to. Um, I really, I like just doing my own thing. I am a big, one of my dearest friends in the world is Deb Tucker. And I think yeah. getting to know Deb has really helped me because I love Deb's tools. I'm not on her payroll or anything. I just love the woman's tools. I'm just saying. Um, because I can use them, <laughs> right? I can use it. So I have this whole like library of blocks that I know that I can make in a zillion different sizes well. And so I can kind of manipulate those in all kinds of different ways to come up with my own designs. And I really like doing that a lot. So um, the only thing I probably don't really do, I don't really do much applique uh, or certainly not needle turn applique. Um, I just seem to lack the patience for it. Uh, now, I have several needle turn applique projects up in boxes in my studio that I'll probably never finish. But don't we all? <laughs> uh, right? I know. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. But, you know, I, I dread the idea of waking up in the middle of the night and not having anything interesting to work on. So this way, that will never happen. There's always a project waiting for me. <laughs> I always refer to it as saving for my retirement all those little projects that are hidden away. <laughs> yeah, yep. no, I think about that a lot. It's like, oh, you know, during the COVIDs, as we refer to them in our family, because it's funnier <laughs> if you call them the COVIDs. I actually did make, I went and did an inventory of my studio and my UFOs 
and I made a list and there were like 26 of them. I mean, and this is not just, I'm not counting fabric and bag. I'm counting things that had actually to some degree been started. And I did actually finish about three or four of them, but I I picked the low hanging fruit for sure. (laughs) The things that were nearly done, you know, it's like, you know what, just put the binding on this thing, Marie, and then you'll be, it'll be out the door. So, but it's so much easier to start a new project than finish an old one, isn't it? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, because I feel like there's there's a reason why we stopped working on those. <laughs> you, know? you know what? But I think sometimes yeah. the reason we stopped working on them is just it got hard. <laughs> I think that's just it. It's yes. The- it's the same thing with writing books. Or maybe sometimes you need a bigger challenge. Maybe that's it. I mean, but but I find the same thing with writing books. When I get to the middle of the book, it gets very tricky. And the temptation to abandon it and just start something else is huge. Because in my mind, that thing I'm going to start is going to be perfect and easy. And of course, that's a lie. So much better. <laughs> right? So <laughs> you know, I just have to soldier on as best I can. Now, are there any opportunities? I can so relate to this. Yeah. Are there any opportunities? Because uh, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued at these uh, women getting together to go to these retreats. It sounds like it could be a good book. Any uh, any research going on there? Or have you done anything no, kind of down I, that road? I, you know, I, not really. And um, no, I, I, I think... I mean, that might be, this is such an interesting thing because people often will give me, was they say, oh, I've got an idea for a book. Uh-huh. And what they really tell me is a situation. There's a mm. big difference between a situation and a plot. A plot, you've got to have a problem that needs solving. You've got to have, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest questions I always ask myself when I'm dealing with a character is what does she want more than anything in the world? And what is standing in the way of her getting it? So you could you you could set a book at a with a quilt retreat, but you'd have to have a character who's who's got a a deep deep seated desire and something standing in her the way of her getting that. So so yeah, no, <laughs> that's the short answer to that. Um, well, and and actually, what I loved is like, especially in uh, the the Cecilia Fairchild book, was that I really love the fact that you didn't go to the normal. Like sometimes I get really bored with like those types of books because I'm like, okay, this is going to happen, and then that happens, and I'm almost disappointed. That did not happen with this book. Mm-hmm. You took some turns, and I was like, oh, I really did not see that coming. No, and I you there are lots of plot twists. You know, sometimes there a book is written in such a way is that you have got to, readers will just demand you give them the ending that they were kind of expecting. Um, And sometimes you've got to do that, but, but not this time. Um, And I, and I think it is fun. I mean, it is fun when you, when you have that sensation of a reader is like, oh my gosh, I did not see that coming. But there's two parts of that. You can say, oh, I didn't see it coming. But then you also have to have it be satisfying so the reader is okay with the direction you sent that character. Because, you know, if it's like, no, I didn't want that to happen at all. That's horrible. That's a terrible idea. They're going to close the book and you'll never see them again. And that's very bad for your career as a writer. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you liked yes. the plot. No, I did the exact opposite. I was like, why is this happening? Oh, my God, I have to read more. Like, I did That's the exact it. opposite. 
That's what we want to keep those pages turning. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. We have a winner. Yes. Well, Marie, thank you so much. Our our time is coming to an end, and I just wanted to thank you so, so much uh, for joining us today. Well, I am really glad to be here. It was been it's been a lot of fun, and I hope all of your listeners um, will run out and get the restoration of Celia Fairchild. It's a, it's a, you know something I want to say. People sometimes want to know this is a standalone book. So don't worry, you don't, you know, have to read nine books before or anything. Um, and you should be able to get it anywhere, especially I would love it if you got from your local independent bookseller because they need our help. Oh, that's a great idea. They do need our help. For our fine finish this segment, we've got a little special guest with us today. We are actually chatting with Laura Koya. Uh, she has the highly successful YouTube channel, So Very Easy. And she is joining us today to talk about a very special project that she started during, um, during lockdown. So, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are so happy to have you join us. Uh, I happen to, I guess, get reintroduced because we actually met at Market and uh, you actually have at least one book. Yes. With C&T. Yes. And I'm on my second. Sweet. That's great. And Ginger and I actually did a video, our sneak peeks. Um, yes. doing your book actually a while ago. Ginger reminded me, I had almost forgotten yes. about it. So no. Okay. And, and actually the, I had gone back to her book for the, uh, quilts that we had done for the, uh, the last quilting bee. I was inspired by your denim quilt that was in that book because I oh. did the whole back of my quilt in denim and it was so funny. So I went and I got your book cause I loved how you applied it on. So I totally was like, you totally inspired me for that. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I like to do things easy. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was, oh yeah, it was great. And it turned out so wonderful. I have a new denim one coming up. You're going to love then. Nice. I'm a little denim obsessed right now. So uh, (laughs) bring it on, bring it on. (laughs) I love it. So anyway, so a few months ago, um, the acquisitions editor from CNT Publishing, Roxanne Serta, actually um, sent me a message and said, "Uh, there is something that I just learned about that I, I think you'd be interested in. And she wouldn't tell me what it was, but she said that I needed to talk to you about it. And so it is actually called the Traveling Quilt Case. So please, I'm giving you the floor. Tell us all about it and how you became inspired to do this. It's really quite a funny story how I I got into doing this. I was with my, or talking to my daughter, and she lives four hours from me. And she was part of a, what we would call like a secret Santa. So someone would drop a little package off at her door and sort of do, I don't know if we all remember Nikki Nikki nine door, you'd knock on the door and then run away. <laughs> Here so, in the United States, we call it ding dong ditch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what they would do. And then they would run off and they wouldn't tell. So she had no idea who left this package, but it was just a package of sort of well wishes, something fun. Um, during this, all this lockdown that was going on. But then in turn, she needed to do the same thing to one of the members of this group. And I thought, oh my goodness, that sounded like so much fun. And the idea wasn't to buy big gifts. It's basically scrounge your house 
and, you know, get something, you know, what your junk is might be someone else's treasure. And just have fun with these things. She had children, so they knew to give her children things. Well, I just thought, you know what, as quilters, we are social people. We Mm -hmm. need to be with people. And I thought, we need to do something like that in quilting. So I started trying to figure out how can I, you know, drop this off. I was doing things like that just myself, putting a little package at my friend's doors. And of course, they knew it was from me. But I thought, I need to do something else. And then someone had said to me, well, I really miss traveling. And the two of them just got together (laughs) in my my head. It was like, okay. So that's how it sort of came. And the idea is, we're going to take this suitcase. And if you're starting it, you're going to start with the suitcase. And I would recommend just an old beat up suitcase. But trust me, a little shopping bag is not going to be big enough, I've discovered. (laughs) We like putting stuff in. So you're going to start with this suitcase. And then um, you're going to put a little journal in it. And you're going to start a quilt block. So you're going to do a round robin or a row by row, just something that you're going to start, start a label. And then you're going to put some quilty gifts in there. Well, they don't have to be quilty gifts, but I mean, we all love getting quilty gifts, but we also like chocolate, wine, (laughs) good books. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm loving this case even more and more now. (laughs) Bring the wine on, you know. So, so the idea is you're going to start this little suitcase and in the journal, you're going to write some type of a message. It could be a traveling story. It could be a story about why you've started the suitcase. Um, anything really, you're just going to write in this journal and then you're going to take this and you're going to ship it off to a friend, knock on their door and say, there's a package here for you. Now, I always recommend you let them know you're going to be part of it because they need to know what they're going to do. So now when the next person gets to open it, they get to take a souvenir because after all, we are traveling Mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to put a souvenir in. And let's face it, we can all go into our sewing room and find a notion that we thought we were going to love that maybe we didn't love it as much as we thought. A book that we finished reading, a fat quarter out of a bundle that maybe wasn't quite to what we wanted, but we could add that in. So you kind of take something out and you put something back in and then you get to add on the quilt, um, sign the label, be sure to sign the journal and send it on its way. So after it hits around a couple of people, you're going to have this quilt in there. Now, the quilts, I I don't really think the quilts should be designed so that they're going to be these big bedside quilts. I think they're just nice. I call them huggable quilts. Mm -hmm. And darn tootin', I don't know about anybody else, but in my world, I believe that that quilt and that suitcase is going to get to the right person at the right time. And they're going to know someone that needs a good hug. Just finish up that quilt, put the label on it, and give it to them from everyone who has taken part in this traveling suitcase. And then start another block and send it off. So the journal stays with the suitcase. So just think of, you know, like in a year or five years, 
you get to read this journal of all the traveling that goes on and people's well wishes and and thoughts and maybe where this quilt went to and who it went to and what it meant to them. So it's not so much about building this huge quilt. It's just connecting with one another. And we get a little souvenir along the way. We get to read someone's journal. Come on, we all want to read someone's journal. That's you know. True. <laughs> You know, and we get to take stuff in the suitcase and put stuff in and and just circulate it around. Now, the thing is, is I designed a website to go with it because, you know, there's just not enough hours in my day. I just said, <laughs> we need to do more. That's right. You needed to do one more thing. <laughs> just one more thing. One more. So the invoice number is your tracking number. So you will be able to put hashtag quilt case. And your invoice number is 0023-203 and put that in and you're going to be able to see where it travels and who it went to, as long as the other person also fills in that tracking number. So it's a matter of everyone's not going to fill in the tracking number, but every once in a while someone's going to go, hey, I know how to do this hashtag thing and they're going to put it in and you're going to be able to see where it goes. So it's kind of a fun thing just for us to connect with everybody or keep connected with our friends mm -hmm. and be able to pass it on. So that was the uh, that was the thought process along it all. And it was more just for me to keep connected with my friends. But then everybody said, oh, I think I want to be taking part of this. So I have one in BC or I have actually BC. I have some in Chicago, I have some in England, in Scotland, and now they're traveling all over the place. So it's oh my it's, goodness! I had this vision of like when the uh, final apocalypse does come, you know, all that's <laughs> going to be existing is these cases around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That actually makes me happy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. right? And and it's yeah. funny because my I lived in a neighborhood that used to do um well I lived in one neighborhood that did like the booze for kids like where you put a little bag with candy in it and you'd nice. knock on the door and leave it and then the, that person would have to I thought you said booze for kids at oh, first see, I was like oh what kind of neighborhood was I moved that? I moved to a different neighborhood and they did booze. And it was, oh and God. it was, uh, you'd give someone, a, your neighbor, a, a bottle of wine. And okay. so it was fun. And so it was just a Halloween thing. But so that's what this reminded me of. Aww. So Laura, please tell us if I wanted to do one of these, how do I order it from you? And what comes in a kit? Well, I've done it two ways. Um, one, you can go to my website and purchase a kit. And what you get in there is a um, leather um, travel tag. So you can put your information. Now, you don't need to put your address or anything like that. It's just sort of if that suitcase sort of gets dormant, someone can contact you and say, hey, what would you like me to do with it now? So just some way of them contacting you. And they also know you're the one that started it. So inside you get, um, um, I have little gifts in there and I have a lot of sponsors that have been giving me free gifts to give to people. CNT Publishing has got an awesome discount 
Um, Schmetz Needle has a package of needles and travel tag and all of these little things in there. Um, Northcott has some fabric in there and I have other people that have been putting stuff in. So in a sense, you've already got your freebies that you can put in unless of course you like them better yeah <laughs> do a quick and, swap out <laughs> exactly. and there's certificates in there so that it's you get the authentic you know um traveling quilt case and there's stickers in there so you can make your you know instead of me putting a note and you know a notebook in there we could all have a notebook matter of fact we probably all have empty notebooks <laughs> yeah. i don't know about yep. you but I have this thing about having nice notebooks in my house. Me too. You know? <laughs> so, you know, we already have them. So we put a sticker on it. We have stickers for the front of the suitcase. Uh, so it's just little things like this. And you also get the, your uh, shipping number, your tracking number. So that's one way. But I do have a lot of wonderful YouTube family friends and all over the world, so instead of shipping it out to them, I did get a, I do have a free version. Okay, great. Yeah. So you can go in and click, you You still have to put it into a shopping cart because that's the way the computers work nowadays. You have to fill out the information and then you'll get a downloadable link. And it just sort of gives you the guidelines and it gives you a track. It gives you an invoice number, which will be your tracking number. Oh, so you can great. start it on your own and uh and go along that way so you have you have two options you can get the a starters kit um and you get a free bracelet and this really nice leather luggage tag or you can do the free version i just want people to have fun uh, you know this connect is and have fun so tell us yes. again the web web address so just travelingquiltcase.com and traveling with two l's just because, well, I liked the look of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you could do it either because way. You could. Yeah. Yes, I know. I know. I didn't realize you could do it two ways until <laughs> I started thinking about it, thinking, is it one L or two? You know? <laughs> and I said, well, I've been using two L's, so I better do that. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so we'll drop a link into the show notes and we'll also link to your YouTube channel and all of that. So our listeners, if they're not already following you, they can. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, Ginger, maybe we should start one of these. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking it's a, it, it definitely sounds like something uh, I think you and me and, uh, you know, potentially, hopefully the listeners would love oh, to do something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. All right. So uh, for all of the listeners, uh, Lori, Ginger, and I are going to get together and we're going to get one of the kits from Laura. And then what we'll do is we'll put some goodies in it. And we'll, we're going to have to talk about how we're going to do a little, maybe a, a some kind of a way that we can pick one of our listeners and we'll ship it to them. How does that sound? Yes. Oh, that sounds like so much <laughs> fun. All right. All right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my so, goodness. All I say is I wanted to go from Lori. I wanted to go from Lori to me, though, because I want to pick through Lori, whatever she puts oh, in there. Okay. <laughs> that works. That works. And then once it gets to me, I'll put some goodies in, too, because I've got lots oh. of goodies to put in. Oh, yes. No, either one of you. I think I'd be thrilled. That sounds perfect. See, we're already having fun with this, Lori. <laughs> Laura. <laughs> so what we'll do is... Um, if our listeners will join and listen to next month's podcast, we'll have all of the information for them. Oh, good. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Perfect, well, thanks, perfect. Laura. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.